welcome. I am here with one of my girlfriends, Jackie Balling, not Bailey. <laughs> and I also have to add, she has a title even better than Contessa. She's a honorable <laughs> Jackie Balling. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Yay. And yes, we're Texas Cowgirls today. That's right. It's not rodeo. You're right. But it is. It's close. Cattle Baron's coming up. Cattle Baron's Ball, September 9th. Oh my goodness. You have been such an advocate in this community for so many causes. And I told you when you walked in that I know you, but then when you read people's bios, yeah. you're so connected. And I love what you do for women in the community and what you do through, is it the Women's Council? Yeah. I'm really amazed at what you're doing to help them overcome disparity and wages and in growth in so many different ways. And then what you've done for the county, for water, you were even involved with water. You were mayor pro tem of Sugarland, and you're the first African-American woman to be leading the cattle barons ball. And I just, yeah. girl boss, hashtag girl boss. <laughs> and you are beautiful, oh, fashionable. So sweet. Thank and you. the mom, again, now I'm getting chills because oh. one of my favorite roles in life is mom. Yes. Two boys, both successful. One went to Harvard. The other one is graduated from Trinity and now is getting Boston College, Boston yeah. College which we just toured. Fell in love with Boston College. If you end up going there, let me know. Girl, we will. Okay. But um, wow. So what you're doing isn't just for you, but you even passed it on to your boys as a single mom. Yeah. Which again, Wow. Thank you. So coming from you that I really appreciate that. Thank you. Cause you're a boss lady yourself. So, well, and right back at you with all those compliments. You're, you're someone that is very present in our community. So thank you. Well, I feel like we both are invigorated by connecting with people that yes. make a difference that yes. actually do the work. So I'm sure you're asked to be involved with so many things. What made you get involved with cattle barons? So my father is a cancer survivor. And so um, back up a little bit, uh, my family, my parents and I migrated to the States. We're originally from the French West Indies. And we came here when I was seven. Texas is the only state I've ever lived in. Houston region, only city. Wow. And um, my dad is the first in his family to become American. Incredible. Well, his brother also became American. So they both traveled. My dad was diagnosed with cancer in his early 60s. And the same brother was diagnosed with the same cancer, prostate cancer, within a month of my dad. Wow. My dad survived. He is the only male in his family to make it past 70. He's now 89, but his brother did not. So uh, both men have been strong uh, role models, male figures in my life and my son's lives. And so when I was asked to join the board for American Cancer Society, I said, yes, definitely. I want to make a difference. And so that's how I got involved. And I guess I didn't understand. I only thought American Cancer Society was research because I think research is so important, but it's so much more than that. Yes. It's about interim housing for people that come here. Yes. Interim transportation 
Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the services? Sure, Hope Lodge is one of the things that a lot of people aren't even aware that is affiliated with American Cancer Society. Mm -hmm. And it's a, a place where we can lodge actually, and, and a lot of the residents are cancer patients and mm -hmm. take care of the care, caregivers who are taking care of the cancer patients. And we also provide lodging going back and forth to your treatment center, wherever mm -hmm. that may be. Um, having um, all of the cancer centers that we have here, we mm -hmm. make it, uh, Houston is one of the top places that people mm -hmm. have to come or want to come. And so we just make sure that we have accommodations for all of those families. And I guess I thought the Cattle Barons Ball was only in Houston and Dallas, but I read it was in 27 other places. Right. Yeah. And the reason why you think only Houston and Dallas is because we are the top two in the country. Oh, so okay. we're the top two fundraisers for American Cancer Society in the country. So that's why when people hear Cattle Baron, they naturally assume it's only in Houston and Dallas, but there are 27 other locations and we've raised over $40 million and wow. Yeah. And so um, the Houston event is September 9th and I'm just thrilled. We're excited to um, have many of our cancer advocates and stakeholders all in one room. And you're also committing to be the chair of Tickled Pink Luncheon, yes. which I'm a huge lover of pink. And anybody that knows Danette, who's behind the scenes, she has the pink hair, the pink shoes, every... But what a beautiful way, a testament to helping women overcome specifically breast cancer, but there's so many more. Yes, yes. And you know, Tickled Pink is going to expand to just all types of cancer because oh, okay. yes, we haven't made that announcement yet. So you heard interest here first. Wow, <laughs> little sneak info, look at us, so in the know. But there's a, the, the point of Tickle Pink is to honor five leaders who mm -hmm. have battled cancer, who has been either uh, a main caretaker for someone who has cancer, mm -hmm. and oftentimes that includes many men. And so we wanted to make sure that it was inclusive of everyone, mm -hmm. um, including people who have different types of cancer. So it's going to, you're going to see more of an expansion, if not in 2024, definitely in 2025, because our hashtag is every cancer, every life. Oh, I love that. So Christy Lynn is a dear friend of mine and she spoke about her mother having cancer. And um, it's just interesting. I don't think when I've been to events, with cancer caregivers or um, I got super involved from the beginning with um, Heroes for Children, which gave funding. I didn't even realize how much it cost to pay to go park at a hospital. Yes. And affluent families, what they go through. And my daughter's yes. been, she's not had cancer, thank God. My godchild did. She was in New York at six. She's now 16, overcame it. But she went through a year and a half of treatment at Memorial on Kettering and I flew up once a month for 18 months and went and sat in the hospital, went to doctor's appointments. It is being in a hospital room is the most exhausting mm -hmm. way to spend a day, even though you do nothing. But to see those kids yeah, go the through it, cancer 
care is very, it's, you know, it makes you aware of how blessed you are if you are not in that experience. But I will say a lot of the children that I've visited with, mm -hmm. they are so resilient and they're so positive and it makes me hopeful because there so many of them that I've visited with have are very positive and think that they're going to overcome it. And yeah. that actually encourages me when I'm doing Tickle Pink or doing Cattle Baron. I think about those children and I think about the pediatric care and I think about the doctors. And so... Oh, and the sacrifice they make. One of my correct. girlfriends, I don't know if you know Leona Morrison, but her I husband do. is a very astute oncologist who actually ironically went through cancer himself. And it was even, I believe, close to his hand. And as a surgeon, of course, that's so ironic to have. And he's overcome it. But the sacrifice she made as a wife yes. even to have such a commitment because yes. there is such a passion it really that is the caregivers. And a lot of those doctors are selfless mm -hmm. and all hours of the night, they don't, they will be there for their patients. And so like your friend, the spouses of those doctors, they are very caring too. And they have to be very patient and very understanding. And so bless her just as much as bless the doctors for yes. what, doing what they're doing. Exactly. Okay, let's talk fashion and style because okay. people presume we dress like this every day. We do. We do. We woke up like this. I mean, <laughs> I love that cowboy hats and cowboy boots are in fashion around the country. Yes. But it's kind of funny. So I have actually never been to the Cattle Barons <gasps> Ball. Can you believe Please that? Please tell me you're coming September 9th. Girl, I'm coming. Yay! I am. And we're donating. Can I show you what we're donating? Please, yes. Have I told you yet? Does, did Lara tell well, you? Lara told me. I got the email and I was actually going to thank you. I have chills. A denim Chanel bag, which I feel could go anywhere, anytime. Yes. But she's absolutely fabulous. So how does one wear black tie western for people around the world they're like what does that look so like it's one of the few galas we have in houston where you can be casual but with style right? absolutely so a lot of the guys my husband for instance he's uh -huh. wearing jeans uh-huh nice boots and nice cowboy hats and a really nice jacket a lot of women will wear nice dresses with their cowboy boots or mm -hmm. some of the women wear jeans as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a very casual, but with flair and with finesse. Okay. So, well, I'm not telling what I'm wearing. I'm not telling what I'm wearing. I already got my <laughs> dress, but I'm not going to say what I'm wearing. <laughs> I do have something. I will just put it out there. You know Rosalind Bazell. Oh yes. She's a dear friend of mine. She owns a business called Roki Silk. Yes. And we just designed a scarf together that's a Houston scarf. You know, I think I, did she post about that? Maybe she did. Okay. So it's, she just texted me today and said that it's ready. So I think I'm wearing this scarf as Yay! my top. Yay, that's gonna be nice. I know. Is she coming? I hope so. We need to do Rosalind, we're gonna knock <laughs> knocking at your door. You need to come with us. But, but it'll be great advertising. And it will be. I'll tell you now, so many people are gonna want this purse, including me. Is it gonna be a live auction or is it a raffle to you? Yours know? is going to be a raffle, but okay. it's gonna go as much as Okay, any. so people we can even maybe put a link. People could buy the raffle yes. tickets. Yes. You could win a Chanel bag. Who doesn't want that? Okay. 
So let's talk about. And thank you so much. I we really my pleasure. It. My pleasure. Um, I'm trying to be much more. And I was having this conversation earlier. Courtney Zavala was in shopping with a friend, and we were talking about after COVID, we all came out and we wanted to reconnect with people because we missed connection. And then the last couple of years, we filled up our dance dance cards to the point that we're like maybe we need to slow down a little 2022 was pretty crazy and 2023 is crazier yes <laughs> so i'm trying to be present when i'm with someone and say yes less so that i can have time for moments so um i am trying to I be think that's wonderful i'm Good trying to be you. more centered on what means something to me and cancer does mean something to me because we did lose my father-in-law to sarcoma rob's father passed when we were pregnant with bella he never was able to meet Aww, her i'm sorry and um and his was a pretty quick journey. And then of course, our, my godchild overcame cancer. So I think everyone's touch. One of my best friends um, is a single mom. And for years she would go to the doctor and I would go on our follow-ups with her. And she is not a person that complains. But when I sat with her with her doctor and heard all the side effects from being a survivor, it's almost kind of ironic what the word survivor connotates and what the journey really is. Yes, that is very well said and very true. But I think we're working towards so much to overcome so many of those things. And you're making it a fun night to donate. Oh, definitely. Pat it's Green. Mini, it's a mini rodeo. It is. Okay, so Midland, I know of, but Pat Green is just a Texas boy that. So um, tell us about what the night is like oh, and so, where it is. So it's at the Music Hall downtown at the Post. The venue is absolutely beautiful. If you have not seen it, it's so dynamic. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's something like you have never seen. And we chose the Music Hall on purpose because that's, we knew it would, that alone would be a draw. We're one of the first events to be there actually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, if you like the rodeo, you will definitely like cattle Baron's ball. It's a mini rodeo, uh, with the entertainment. Pat green is the opener. Everyone. If you're a Texan, if you haven't heard of Pat green, download him right now. He is so good. Um, I remember I've been talking about cattle Baron and I did not get my husband's attention until I said, Pat Green is the opener. And he said, the opener? Exactly. <laughs> Who would be he was going like, after that? Yes. And so we are also very blessed to have Midland. Midland is our headliner. Uh, Google them. Oh my gosh, they're so good. I like old country. Me too. 97.1 is my channel. Yes, mine too. And they have a very new twist to old country, mm -hmm. and that's what I like about them. Uh, Award-winning, they've won all of the major country music awards, and it's just going to be a great night. We're going to have great raffle items, great live auction items, um, and you'll see 1,000 of your closest friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's so good. Okay, so I do want to move on and talk a little bit more about your career. Okay. Okay. Um, you've received so many incredible um, accolades and awards, but you've put so much work and time into doing this. Tell us a little bit about the Bally Project. Oh, sure. sure. You've been in business for over 20 years. 24 years. Wow. Yeah. And so I actually got my start. Were you here when a uh, 
Bill White was, um, yes. Okay. So Bill White was my chairperson at the Grady Houston partnership and he's a workaholic just like I am. So we would literally, we're working like one o'clock or so. And he was like, you know what? You need to start your own consulting business. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm an entrepreneur. And then I thought about it. He just kept gently coaxing me and he talked me into it. So wow. I started my first consulting. He actually hired me. So he put his money where his mouth was. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I got started. So I help corporations, usually vendors with the city or state. If you mm -hmm. want to do business, I help you get through the permitting process. I help them get their proposals together and I help them make their pitch. So I do PR, but on the government, on the public side. And then Governor Abbott so has I have recruited a, you. Right. So I, I help him. I advise him with um, their grants that are given to the public colleges and universities in Texas. And I'm on a nine person board. I represent Houston and we get together and we make recommendations to him on which universities should get the grants. So if UT has gotten many grants, U of H, A&M, mm -hmm. all of the public universities and uh, institution, higher education institutions are eligible. And I've been on that board for nine years. Wow, and then Governor Perry. Yeah, he's the one that actually got me started on all this when I was, I'd have to say in my 20s. I got a call from him, literally, he was governor. And he calls me. Yeah. I'm like, how did he get my phone number? So you weren't friends with him? No, no. And, and you're like, who's punking me? Why I was just, that before punk? I, I just <laughs> saw 512. So you're I like, knew it was what? Austin, but he was like, oh, I've been hearing so many great things about you. And I, I'd like to uh, put you, give you an appointment. And I understand that you have a master's in public administration and that would be great for this board. And Literally, I got a call and then I went into his office and I got put on the Brazos River Authority board. Wow. And that I had to have been like 2930. Wow. Something. Where like were that. you one of the only females? Yes. Were you yes. one of the only African-American women? Yes. I'm usually the only black for a lot of things. <laughs> and so or the first. And so I was the first. I was the only woman. But then after me, there had they have had women. Wonderful. So yeah, that's great. So many opportunities. Same with the city of Sugarland. I mean, I was the only one on city council, but ever since then they've had like many women who have been elected into office. So it, it's, there's no problem with being the first, as long as there are many after me. <laughs> I love that. So I don't know if you knew this, but I'm a Fort Bend County girl. I went to Dallas high school. I didn't know that. Yes. My maiden name is Cangelosi. Okay. So there's a few Cangelosi yes. out there. Still lots of family out there. Our family business was out there actually in Missouri city, but nonetheless. Well, it's funny because I know last names because I would always look at the voting roster. Yes, exactly. And I definitely know your last name. Yes. <laughs> and it's been, and so the ironic thing that I found out was my, um, my parent, grandparents too were immigrants from Sicily and through Ellis Island and they went to New Orleans and then they had my dad and my uncle, um, and moved to through Stafford 
lived in Stafford for a hot minute and then moved to College Station. Okay. So my dad grew up in College Station, but there were a lot of Cangelosis that settled in Stafford and some in New Orleans and then some in College Station, apparently because farming was really popular in Sicily and those were farming areas too. Okay. Yes. So that's we had a lot of farmland back in the day in Fort Bend County. So I can yes. see that. Definitely. And what was the culture that you were coming from? Was that why your parents settled in that area? Area. And my dad worked for an oil and gas company, so he got recruited by ExxonMobil. Wow. Yeah, so that's how we got up here. Um, he was recruited by ExxonMobil, and he said, we're going to the United States, we're going to Texas. And I was like, okay. And it, of course, quite different. I had a thick island accent. I didn't speak like this. And because I don't hear any accent no, in your voice. I, I think I was traumatized. Like the kid, you know, kids, kids are cruel, are right? Cruel. So they yes. made fun of my accent. So I lost it literally by opening up a dictionary and looking, learning how to speak phonetically. And then, but then I lost it too well because then everyone thought I sounded like I was from New York or California. And so, yeah, I didn't quite have the Texas twang. Mm -hmm. And then when I went home, everybody said, it doesn't, it, my accent doesn't come back. So they're like, oh, you sound funny. So I, you know, you can't please anyone. <laughs> Amen to that. So interesting because, um, and that's my dad actually lost speaking Italian because it was looked down upon mm -hmm. and he was harassed about mm -hmm. it and the teachers didn't want him to speak it. Whereas now, now it's embraced. We are embracing everyone mm -hmm. keeping their native language and that we should all learn to speak so much more. Okay, girl, you're no slacker in education. You have gone back to get your doctorate from yes. this little school in California called USC. I know, right? What? That is, again, chills. I mean, how many times am I going to get chills? So she's going to be you. the Honorable Dr. <laughs> Jackie Polly. Are you going to make your husband say all those things? No. <laughs> and your kids, are they going to call you that? Or are yes. they, they are? Okay, good. I yes. love that. You okay. know, I waited literally for the youngest one to graduate college. Mm -hmm. And I wrote my last check to Harvard. And then I applied to USC. Wow. And I, I thought about applying to Rice, uh -huh. but the the program I'm in, is USC is highly ranked. It's a little bit higher than Rice. And I said, I'm going to go for it. If I get rejected, then I can go. Rice is a great school. Sure. U of H is a great, I went undergrad U of H. And so, and I teach at U of H. So I just, it's the only school I ended up applying to. I got in and then um, I've been, I'm halfway through. I have a year and a half left and I'm on my dissertation process mm. right now. So yeah, it's been a challenge, but it's my time. And my sons were like, what? You didn't tell me you were gonna do this. And I said, no, sometimes a mom has to keep her secrets sometimes. You know, you guys keep your secrets from me. So, but I wanted to make sure that I was, I had launched them, paid for everything for their uh, degrees and then said, okay, I'm now going to go from paying Harvard to USC. <laughs> wow. And you have done so much to mentor young people that you have taught at U of H. I was telling Danette that I love that you included that and in what you share about yourself, because I feel like 
so many people and not to discredit them, but are looking at the overall, I've raised this much money or I've been involved with this charity. But when you said I helped three women become, um, Americans and help them and you paid for their legal expenses. And then the other people, I think it was four women to get jobs. Like you changed seven people's lives Yeah, forever. Yeah. You know, my students are like my adopted kids Mm -hmm. and I keep in touch with a lot of them. And a lot of them are like me. They have immigrant parents who Mm -hmm. really don't know how to maneuver or they don't know anything about the American system. So they don't have strong mentors. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I feel that it's my job to take on that role. And Mm -hmm. so I remember how I was at that point in life. Mm -hmm. And I've helped quite a few of them either uh, get jobs or with their resumes or with going on to law school or other schools at their Mm -hmm. graduate schools. Or as you mentioned, um, quite a few of my students are not currently um, American citizens, but they're Mm -hmm. going through the citizenship process. So I I actually help them with that as well, either be an advocate. um, As you mentioned, I've paid for a couple of lawyers to help them through the process. Mm -hmm. So I feel that that's my role as not just an educator, but someone who has an interest in the next generation. It's so moving. And let's talk more about also this, the board with the, um, tell me again, the name of it, the Women's County Women's Commission. Yeah. Yes. Because we can change so much. We can only change so much after it's happened, but to, to bring people through the system, to change the system is where mm-hmm. the change really happens as opposed to the correction after it's happened. And you have so many significant initiatives. Tell us about a yeah. few of them. So Harris County Women's Commission is a brand new board that was created mm-hmm. probably a year ago by mm-hmm. um, former Senator Rodney Ellis. He's currently a, mm-hmm. a commissioner on Harris County Court. And okay. a lot of people are shocked that this board was created by a man. But it's kind of interesting. Yeah, but this is his baby. He envisioned exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's a nine person board and mm-hmm. we and my term is for three years. I'm also the vice chair with mm-hmm. Ellen Cohen. She's a former state rep. And what we're doing is we're looking at economic development opportunities, um, health resources, and making sure that we go out into the communities and people who may not have access mm-hmm. to these resources. We let them know that the county, what the county has, or if it's something outside of the county that they need, we guide them to where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people aren't aware that there's a lot of people who are don't have the means or access to the means that you and I or others may have. Mm-hmm. And so we actually are in the process of setting up like town hall meetings, equivalent to town hall meetings, oh, going beautiful. into each of the precincts mm-hmm. and going out into the communities and letting them know that these are the resources that are available either through health, mm-hmm. um, making sure that your family has all of their 
um, vaccinations, making sure that they're going to all of their checkups um, or through economic development, as I mentioned, or job resources mm-hmm. or even educational, getting them enrolled in pre-K. So those series, those workshops and public affairs that we call them public outreach will start at the beginning of 2024. We may do maybe two precincts this year, mm-hmm. the ending of this year, and then the other two in 20, early 2024. I'm such an advocate for starting kids in preschool. Um, I love what they're doing at um, the Little House of Tiny Treasures mm-hmm. with um, kids whose parents may be between homes. They say they're families who are homeless, but it was shocking to me to see people who were literally just between apartments or even moving out from a domestic abuse and just in between. And these kids were kind of falling out throughout the system and then the moms couldn't go get a job because they didn't have care for the kids. It, mm-hmm. it just is such a vicious cycle. Um, and we also in Colorado supported this group called the Magic Bus and they would take buses into the um, trailer park areas because oftentimes some of those people had immigrated in a way that they were concerned Mm -hmm. about going to the schools. Mm -hmm. And then when we could educate the kids, then the parents would feel safer to working to get their education. So again, there's so many, or then a parent's sick and then the kid can't even go to school because the parent's sick. Just very small things that we take for granted. Definitely. Because we have also, as women, have a support system. Mm -hmm. You as a single mom, Mm -hmm. me as a working mom, Mm -hmm. I had to have this group of people that could support me. There's a reason they say it takes a village. (laughs) And and we as a community need to create these villages Mm -hmm. for these people. And a lot of these communities are not going to come to us. No, they're afraid of authority. Exactly. They don't think of it as a unified group. It's the other people. Right. So that's why it's important for us to go to them. Absolutely. Go to them where they are. Help them in the space that they're comfortable in being in. That's where the most dramatic change can happen. Definitely. So just applauding that so much. Um, So what are some of your... You're super busy. When do you have time for dates? Like, oh, well, yeah. how, oh, no. you're newly married. You've got school. You're on five four. It's like we go sailing every weekend. Well, we haven't do. this summer though. We haven't been on the boat in in two months. This is the longest we've been off the boat because of cattle barrens. Because of the heat. The heat. It's yeah. truly yeah, not manageable. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely feel like, um, time management is important to me. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely said every weekend, every Friday and Saturday, we have a date night. Oh, good. And I have a lot of events in the evenings during the week. Mm-hmm. So he'll come with me. He'll drive me to the woodlands or wherever I'm going. And then on the way back, we'll have a date night. So you know, you just have to improvise when you when you need to. And I'm going to California a lot because of school. He comes out with me. I love it. So tell me, how does that work with school? So is it in person? Is it yes. remote? It's both. Yes, it's both. Okay. Um, after December, when I'm fully on my dissertation process, 
uh, 80% of it is going to be via Zoom. Okay. But before then, um, I have to take in-person cl in classes. So are most of the people going back coming from positions that they're currently working and mm -hmm. they're living lives. They're not just back in school f full time. It's that kind no, of a program. No. Um, well, we have a couple who are okay. back full time, but I, I thought I was going to be the only older person. Mm -hmm. But so far I've met four people who are exactly my age, which I'm like, okay, is this the age that we're all going to go back? But uh, most of them are younger. And so they are either in between their degrees, like mm -hmm. a lot of them have already gotten their master's, so they just went, they're just going straight through mm -hmm. and getting their PhD. Um, there are a few of us like myself who have positions and we're going back. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have written a TED style talk on living the authentic life. Okay. And I feel like a big part of it is purpose. And then I discovered this book by a man named Hector Garcia. It's called Icky Guy. Okay. And there's four questions and it okay. says, what do you love to do? What are you good at? What does the world need from you? And how do you get, and what can, can you get paid to do it? Okay. So it seems like you've taken what you're passionate about and what you're good at and what makes the world a better place and you could still make a living and made it all work yes. and you make it look easy, but it's, <laughs> it's not easy. Well, like, I'm glad I make it look easy. <laughs> well, you're smiling and you're beautiful and you look at your hat. I mean, the girl's got a great hat, but like it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of constant reflection. Like, are you one to meditate? Do you work oh, out? Yeah. Like tell us yeah. some of the tools that keep you balanced sure. and how you do the time management. Cause I think that's what people, people that say, how do you do it all? It's like, I, you have to plan for it. It doesn't right. just happen. Right. Well, I mean, I waited until my sons were a certain place in life mm -hmm. to get my doctorate. I also waited until my sons were in college to start dating. I didn't even start dating until I was divorced for 10 years. And I purposefully waited until they were already at Harvard and Trinity before I even entertained, you know, a, a, a life of my own. And so I, I always like time management is even in my personal life has mm -hmm. been very important. But today I got up at four o'clock. Um, I usually sleep around six or seven hours. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Wow. So I got up at four. I worked out at six. Mm -hmm. Um, I answered emails at seven, mm -hmm. got to the office around nine and then came here. This is my lunch break. <laughs> so, and then from here, I have a couple of other meetings at the office. And then this evening, it's just me and my hubby hanging out. Do you and watch of, any shows course, on streaming shows on of TV? Of course, I'm going to write tonight. So of course, I have yes. to do. I have to put one and a half to two hours of writing, five days a week. I mean, that's huge because I. I mean, the dissertation's a book, pretty much. So, it is. And yeah. can you tell us what it's about? Sure, it's okay. improving. What can uh, college educators and administrators do to improving the graduation rates of African American students? Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Because we have the lowest graduation rates and retention rates out of any ethnicity, racial group. And there are many studies about 
why that is, but no one's ever tackled what to do what about can it. What we do? Right. Here's the facts. Now let's yeah. figure out the task. How can educators make it better for these students? To make that. it better for them to thrive. It's so different going to tour schools with my daughter. I'm just. Oh, I bet. Absolutely I bet. amazed at. Boston College is one of the best. Well, her top pick on her list is Penn. It's been from the time well, we walked on campus. Penn is She's, fantastic. Math is her icky guy. Math makes her come alive. She's president of the math club. She said at a party this weekend, people were like, how do I get on the math club? I go, did you tell them make it your passion? She goes, no, mom, they would have laughed at me. I'm like, but that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Like literally when she was little, we would walk and would she do math problems when we walked? Which is she going to be a doctor? No, she actually wants to do probably more the economic side of okay. it or the statistics side of it. And she's had an intense medical journey and it took us a long time to get answers, which is okay. another thing I really can relate to. And I related to in this process with her was that I wouldn't take no for an answer. And I've um, read so much about my upbringing taught me mm -hmm. the respectful way to not take no for an answer mm -hmm. because there's ways that you shut people down and they sure. don't listen to you and there's ways that you keep pushing and i was able to show her that but other people don't have the tools to know how to go get the right. medical help they the medical help they need right or these students don't have the tools or the knowledge of what doors to knock down, when to not, how to keep asking. It's just, it's been an interesting process, but um, I've kind of lost my train of thought on that. But I, I'm amazed at what these kids have to do to get into college now. Mm -hmm. And then what the expectations are to yeah. stay in and how yeah. involved it is. It's, it's so much more, but there's growth from it. And you have it's to crazy. love it. Yeah, it's quite different from when I was going to school or you were going to school. Mm -hmm. The things that these students have to... My younger son had a map his freshman year of high school. I have to be in this club. I have to have this right. grade. To I get mean, in here. To yeah. get to this point. And when I get to, get to this to that, point, I, then get, I can do this. I was just like, wow. All we had to do was get do well on the SAT and have straight A's. <laughs> exactly. So much more than that. So our time is running out. Do you have anything else you would like to share about antidotes for success or what you would say to people that are maybe closer in age to... I'm older than you, but like women who are trying I think to. I'm older than you. We we'll figure that out yeah. after we get off air. <laughs> but like, sure I, um, I feel like women who have kids going to college and they're finally like in a relationship with their husband are totally single and they're trying to figure out like what their next step is and what they're doing. Yeah. Any words of wisdom? So um, you said it so well earlier. Uh, being a mom is one of the most important roles we can we can have that we're blessed with, and so that's extremely important. But your children also need to see their moms thriving, successful, Amen. and happy. Mm -hmm. And so once your children get to a certain point, I always say, knowledge never stop learning. Mm -hmm. There's always an opportunity. I'm not saying you have to be a doctor and go to 
get your PhD, but there's always some level of growth that we can have, aspire to, and education is the key. And, and just make sure that you continue to work on yourself because if you're not happy with yourself, the, what your loved ones will, will see that and you can't really be the best version of yourself to them either. So take care of yourself. Amen. I think that when we have a purpose, a reason to get out of bed every day, we mm -hmm. feel like we're making a difference in the world. It doesn't yes. have to be with money. It could just be with time, with yes. concern, with outreach. There's so many people that need mentoring and there's just opportunities. I feel like that's what changes our world and together we grow together. I agree. And thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love getting to know you better. Yes. Okay. And tell people when you walk through what you said, when you came to our store. Okay. Yeah. I, you guys <laughs> need to come over here make sure you call. I had no idea she had so many goodies here. I mean, I'm, I personally plan to go peruse <laughs> shop, um, take advantage of this opportunity. So I hope you guys know you need to Watches, come see her. handbags, jewelry, and we buy. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea she had purses, handbags, jewelry. I Yeah, you need to come see it for yourself. <laughs> okay. Out of the mouth of the honorable, <laughs> soon-to-be Dr. Jackie <laughs> Bolling. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Living the authentic life. <laughs> <laughs>